Unleavened Bread Ministries presents From your hands, your feet, your side Unleavened Bread Bible Studies with David Eels Can quench my thirsting soul Purest water make me whole Let your streams of mercy flow Oh Jesus, I trust in you Greetings, saints. Many blessings to you. Thank you for joining us today for the Unleavened Bread Bible Study. And Father, thank you, Lord, for making it possible. And also, Lord, uh, giving us this warning that you're giving for the coming days and even some of it in the days that we're in now. And thank you, Father, for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, we call this Keep Thy Soul Diligently. And um, we're going to start with the revelation given to Gabby Dibble on 6.21.22 called Persecution in the Last Days. She said, I had a quick dream of some of the things that will take place during the tribulation. I was standing outside and the surroundings looked terrifying. Well, Fears come to pass. They, they are faith in reverse. We must avoid all fear. Our Lord has given us many promises, and we must look at them, right? Then I saw a flash vision of about four or five different ways that believers were being martyred. I couldn't completely picture what I was seeing, but it was quite intense. When the vision in the dream ended, I began mentally trying to prepare myself for physical persecution. This uh, looked much worse than what many believers expect. I was sneaking around uh, the outdoors, and as I was doing this, I was remember I remember this saying that kept coming to me through the dream. The only thing that will get us through this is praising the Lord and rejoicing in the hope of His glory. Well, this is faith, folks. This is what you do when you have faith. Jesus alone is the only one that will endure through His people, she said. Well, this is true. Our faith in the promises will always work. Many will be going into tribulation that don't know this, and may only enter into the kingdom through martyrdom. Luke 21 and 36 says, But watch ye at every season, making supplication that you may prevail to escape all these things that shall come to pass, and to stand before the Son of Man. Luke 1, 69 through 74 says, uh, and hath raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spake by the mouth of his holy prophets that have been from of old, salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all that hate us, to show mercy towards our fathers and to remember his holy covenant the oath which he sware unto Abraham our father, to grant unto us that we being delivered out of the hand of our enemies should serve him without fear. Amen. 
And Gabby went on to say, I then saw creatures descending from the sky. The scene changed, and I was at my parents' house looking at some kind of incubation structure that was heating something up. Well, they're designing their New World Order constituents, obviously. And the vaccine was, of course, part of that. Uh, But the parents' home here probably represents the harlot church that we are called to come out of to escape for the beast is going to destroy her. They are working together to to heat things up for Christians. In other words, a persecution. Revelation 17, 1-6 says, Come hither, I will show thee the judgment of the great harlot that sitteth upon many waters, with whom the kings of the earth committed fornication. And they that dwell in the earth were made drunken with the wine of her fornication. Yes, the beast is, is uh, joining with this harlot church. And he carried me away in the spirit into a wilderness, and I saw a woman sitting upon a scarlet-colored beast, full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. In verse 5, And upon her forehead was a name written, Mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of the harlots and of the abominations of the earth. Notice she is the mother of the harlots. Yes. And I saw the woman drunken with the blood of the saints and the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. Well, it's always the apostates that make war against the people of God, right? Verse 16, And the ten horns which thou sawest and the beast, these shall hate the harlot and shall make her desolate and naked and shall eat her flesh and shall burn her utterly with fire. And Revelation 18 and 4 says, And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come forth, my people, out of her, that you have no fellowship with her sins, and that you receive not of her plagues. So this is the condition, right? It was 3 o'clock a.m. when I woke up in the dream, and my sister was telling me, You can go back to sleep. Well, we know that the apostate church is currently asleep, and some may not wake up in time to escape. Uh, She went on to say, I was hesitant because I was suspicious of her activity. Yes, you you know them by their works, right? And then I woke up in real life. Amen. Okay, and then here's a revelation. Uh, given to Samuel Fire, eleven twenty-seven twenty-two, every knee shall bow. Okay, I saw the world from a zoomed-out perspective. I could see everyone whom the Lord was manifesting Himself through. Then I saw how people in the world were trying to force God's elect to bow before these large statues. These statues were very tall and made from various materials such as gold, silver, bronze, iron, and clay. Well, this is a symbol of worshiping the image of the beast as in Daniel chapter 3. None of the elect gave in to the pressure, in other words, to bow down, 
and they stood boldly in their faith, like the three Hebrews who escaped through faith, right? Suddenly the statues uh, broke at their bases where the feet were and fell forward and smashed into pieces. Well, this destruction of the image at its feet is clearly Daniel 2, 31 through 35. Thou, O king, sawest, and behold, a great image. This image, which was mighty, and whose brightness was excellent, stood before thee, and the aspect thereof was terrible. And as for this image, its head was of fine gold, its breast and arms of silver, its belly and thighs of brass, its legs of iron, its feet part of iron and part of clay. Of course, that was the Roman Empire, right? Uh, which stayed with us according to Daniel's vision all the way down to the end time with the ten toes, right? Amen. And thou sawest till a stone was cut out without hands. This is uh, Jesus in the man-child body, I believe, which smote the image upon its feet that were of iron and clay and break them in pieces. There it is. Then was the iron, the clay, the brass, the silver, the gold broken in pieces together. So these, this, uh, you know, Daniel said that their dominion was taken away, but their lives were prolonged. That is because each one of these beast kingdoms from the beginning that ruled the world and oppressed God's people, um, their seed is still with us today. They're going to be broken in pieces together. Okay. I prayed about the vision, and I saw a connection uh, to two places in the Word. The first was when uh, the Ark of God was held by the Philistines, and the statue of Dagon fell. First uh, Samuel 5 and 4. And when they arose early on the morrow morning, behold, Dagon was fallen upon his face to the ground before the Ark of the Lord. And the head of Dagon and both palms of his hands lay cut off upon the threshold. Only the stump of Dagon was left unto him. I was then reminded about Jesus being the cornerstone and a stumbling block for those who are offended. Mm-hmm. Matthew twenty-one forty-two through 44 says, Jesus saith unto them, Did ye never read in the Scriptures the stone which the builders rejected? The same was made head of the corner. This was from the Lord, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Amen. Well, he became the head and destroyed the image of the beast, right? <laughs> Amen. And and verse 44 goes on to say, And who falleth on this stone shall be broken to pieces, but on whomsoever it shall fall, it will scatter him as dust. So there is a great destruction of, um, let me say, fakers in the midst of God's body. Right. And this next one was given to Matt Ezel, 12.23.22. We called it, Keep Thy Soul Diligently. 
the Lord has been speaking to me about uh, diligence lately, and it just so happened that when I looked down at my Bible, a rainbow light of God's wisdom was shining down by this verse, Deuteronomy 4 and 9. Only take heed to thyself and keep thy soul diligently, lest thou forget the things which thine eyes have seen, and lest they depart from thy heart all the days of thy life, but teach them to thy sons and thy sons' sons. Yes, people are going to forget. We've watched them forget everything that they've learned uh, that came out of the mouth of the Lord, right? And Vanessa commented that uh, the light is a rainbow, which means a promise. Amen. A promise to preserve, right? Yeah. It reminds me of Deuteronomy 28, 1 and 2. And it shall come to pass, if thou wilt diligently uh, hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God, and observe to do all of his commandments, which I command thee this day, that the Lord thy God will set thee on high above all the nations of the earth. Okay, there is a place of safety, right? So it's very clear here that it says, Obey and escape the beast. Yeah. And all these blessings shall come upon thee and overtake thee, if thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God. And uh, thank you, Father, for reminding us of this and helping us to be diligent, Matt says. And this is, of course, diligent in our faith, right? And Deb Horton said there are two different Hebrew words which are both translated diligently. One means to, to the best of your ability, but the other one means to seek more light. Is that not amazing, she asks? Yes, it's true. So, we come to this prophecy uh, by Glenda Lomax, uh, 112622. This is a warning about the coming tribulation trial for the church. Remember what I said. The man-child and the bride are going through their trial before the tribulation, and the church has to go through it in the tribulation, and the man, child, and bride are prepared to help the church through this time. Okay, She said, My children, in this time you are entering, the enemy will prevail over you for a season. It will not be pleasant. Know that it is the ultimate test for your faith, and the rewards are very, very great for my children who endure through this for any length of time. The enemy seeks to make you deny your faith in me and to go along with the wicked who will rule. In this time, they will take first one thing and then another from you until you have nothing left except yourselves and your faith in me. They will try to make you give that up Two, that's that's the line there in the sand, right? Judas was given over to Satan because of theft and greed, and he lost faith in the Lord, just like the faction of our day. And Peter denied that he knew the Lord because of a fear of man, 
but he did not give up his faith in him according to Jesus. Uh, Luke 22 and 31. Simon, Simon, behold, Satan asked to have you, that he might sift you as wheat. But I made supplication for thee, that thy faith fail not. And do thou, when once thou hast turned again, establish thy brethren. And he said unto him, Lord, with thee I am ready to go both to prison and to death. That's the self-confidence of man who does not get, hasn't yet had a revelation of themselves. And Peter was about to get a revelation of himself here. And he said, I tell thee, Peter, the cock shall not crow this day until thou shalt thrice deny that thou knowest me. And, of course, Peter lost his self-confidence in this situation, but he did not lose his faith in the Lord. And that's why the Lord was working in him, saving him, delivering him, and so on. So, uh, prophecy goes on, Hold on to your faith and do not deny me, no matter the cost, for there is no going back from this. Well, Listen, we are justified or accounted righteous by faith. And without this, you lose your salvation. And you start falling away. Uh, Prophecy goes on. There is no repentance for denying me. If you deny me, that is your final answer. No matter how much longer you live, and you will not spend eternity with me but being tormented by your enemy, uh, though you seek me with tears afterwards. Yes, that's true. Set your face like flint now to endure, for your salvation depends on it. This will not be easy, as they will take everything from you, trying to make you give up your salvation. They will persecute you night and day. They will do violence against you. And kill many of you. Do not fear, but this, do not fear this, but rejoice, for great is your reward when you die in this way. Amen. Set your hearts to endure, and do not deny me, no matter what you see, no matter the cost, no matter what they take from you, or deny you access to. If you deny me, you lose your salvation. Well, let me say that a martyr's death is preferred over denying the Lord with our works or in our hearts. Psalm 14 and 1. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. He didn't say with his mouth. He said with his heart. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none that doeth good. Yes, amen. Matthew ten sixteen through twenty three. These are verses that she gave in you know after the prophecy. Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be ye therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. But beware of men, for they will deliver you up to councils, and in their synagogues they will scourge you. Yea, and before governors and kings shall you be brought for my sake for a testimony to them and to the Gentiles. 
But when they deliver you up, be not anxious how or what you shall speak, for it shall be given you in that hour what you shall speak. For it is not ye that speak, but the Spirit of your Father that speaketh in you. And brother shall deliver up brother to death, and uh, the father his child. And children shall rise up against parents, and cause them to be put to death. And you shall be hated of all men for my name's sake. We can see this liberalism, this leftism, this communism that's spreading across the world, um, and how it makes people hate Christians. Well, and I think Christians have a lot to blame concerning this because they're not Christians. That's the problem, okay? And even if they were, they would have, they would receive the the uh, judgments that came upon our Lord Jesus. And you shall be hated of all men for my name's sake, but he that endureth to the end, the same shall be saved. But when they persecute you in this city, flee into the next. For verily I say unto you, you shall not have gone through the cities of Israel until the Son of Man become. Praise be to God. So there is a, here is a people who is escaping, literally, and uh, and the Son of Man comes. Matthew ten thirty two and 33. Everyone, therefore, who shall confess me, meaning to speak the same as, you know, we need to learn to do that, say what the Lord says, not what the world or your worldly mind says, right? Uh, confess me uh, before men, okay? Uh, him will I also confess before my Father who is in heaven. But whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I also deny before my Father who is in heaven. Well, you know, this could cost us our physical life, uh, but not necessarily our spiritual and eternal life. For example, we could deny our healing, that's very clear in the Scripture, by foolish confession, like a lot of people do, and die from their own confession. But this is not reprobation. This person can still go to heaven, even in their ignorance. Amen? Uh, Ephesians 6 and 11 says, Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Revelation 13, 11 through 18 says, And I saw another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like unto a lamb, and he spake as a dragon. Why? How can it be like a lamb? A, coming up, this looks like a religious beast here. Uh, but he spake as the dragon. Now, we know who that is. We've seen that happen. And he exercises all the authority of the first beast in his sight. And he maketh the earth and them that dwell therein to worship the first beast whose death stroke was healed. And he doeth great signs that he should even make fire to come down out of heaven upon the earth in the sight of men. And he deceiveth them that dwell on the earth by reason of the signs which it was given to him to do in the sight of the beast, saying unto them that dwell on the earth that they should make an image to the beast who hath the stroke of the sword and lived. 
Who is the image of the beast? All those members who belong to the beast. They are the image of the beast, right? And we are the image of Christ, right? And it was given to him to give breath to it, even to the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak, because they do, and cause that as many as should not worship the image of the beast should be killed. Yes, the apostates will turn against the righteous, as they always have throughout history. 16. And he causes all, the small and the great, the rich and the poor, the free and the bond, that there be given them a mark on their right hand or upon their forehead, and that no man should be able to buy or to sell, save he that hath the mark, even the name of the beast or the number of his name. Now, this digital system is being put in place now. It's very clear, you know, that they will know everything, okay? And here is wisdom. He that hath understanding, let him count the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, and his number is six hundred and sixty and six. Mm-hmm. Revelation fourteen nine through thirteen says, and another angel, a third, followed them, saying with a great voice. If any man worshipeth the beast and his image, and receiveth a mark on his forehead or upon his hand, he also shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God. Any man, some out there apostates are saying oh, the, the mark of God trumps the mark of the devil. <laughs> no. If any man worshipeth the beast and his image and receives the mark on his forehead or upon his hand, he also shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is prepared unmixed in the cup of his anger, and he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. Now, are you going to listen to these men who claim to be Christians, even leaders in their denominations? Ah, uh, wow, well, you better not. And the smoke of their torment goeth up forever and ever, and they have no rest day and night. The punishment that is going to be to the people to do this. They that worship the beast and his image, and whoso receiveth the mark of his name, here is the patience of the saints. They that keep the commandments of God, and the faith, there it is, and the faith of Jesus. Hmm. And I heard the voice from heaven saying, Right, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from henceforth. Yea, saith the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors, for their works follow with them. Okay, so even a martyr's death is very preferable. I mean, you enter into the kingdom. Praise be to God. That's what we were made for anyway. Um, let me just say this. Everybody in whom the Son lives will be hated. Okay? Jesus is coming again in his people. But will he be loved and respected or rejected and hated by most of his people, as in all of history? These people will hate us too. Okay? In uh, Luke one sixty-seven through 75 and his father, Zacharias, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, for he hath visited 
and wrought redemption for his people, and hath raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. As he spake by the mouth of his holy prophets that have been from of old, salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all that hate us. Okay, so this this resurrection of the house of his servant David is in our day too. Okay, and this is what God is speaking about. Verse 72, To show mercy towards our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he sware unto Abraham our father, to grant unto us that we being delivered out of the hand of our enemies should serve him without fear. That's He remembered his government, right? Should serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. Yes, amen. Luke 2, 8 through 18 says, And there were shepherds. The word for shepherds there is poimen. It's the same word for pastors, right? In the same country, abiding in the field, keeping watch by night over their flock. And an angel of the Lord stood by them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Be not afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all the people. For there is born unto you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Well, the angels declared to us that we are about to see the coming of the man-child in whom Jesus lives. Mm-hmm. So, verse 12 goes on to say, And this is the sign unto you, you shall find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, lots of angels, uh, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest. We had the angels tell us that they were uh, worshiping along with us and praising God along with us and rejoicing and so on and enjoying it. <laughs> yes. So glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among men in whom he is well pleased. So there is no peace to the wicked, saith the Lord. It is to those in whom he is well pleased. And lots of people may celebrate Christmas and think that they're, you know, part of this. No, these are the people in whom the Lord is well pleased. These are the people who have repented of their ways and they're turning to God, right? And it came to pass, when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass which the Lord hath made known unto us. So they went to seek out the man-child. And I want to say that there is a man-child ministry that is being birthed. And uh, once again, the people are going to seek this out. And even some shepherds, some leading people in the real kingdom of God, not leading in the worldly kingdom of God, obviously. And they came with haste and found both Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in the manger. And when they saw it, they made known concerning the saying which was spoken to them about this child. 
And all that heard it wondered at the things which were spoken unto them by the shepherds. Hmm. And Luke two twenty seven through 34. And he, this is Simeon, came in the spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus that they might do concerning him after the custom of the law, then he received him into his arms and blessed God and said, Now let us thy servant depart, Lord, according to thy word in peace. Mm-hmm. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation. That's Jesus, right? Which thou hast prepared before the face of all peoples. Well, you know, Jesus was in a body of the son of David. They looked on the outward appearance, but not on the Son of God, on the inside of the Son of Man. Okay? And we should say, uh, like Jesus, and Jesus in the man-child reformers, uh, as an example. And Mordecai raised up the bride long before she was the bride, and before he was anointed by the king over the people. And David defended the sheep and fought the battles of God's people long before he was anointed king. This is the anointing that we're waiting for on the man-child. The man-child is physically born among us, but we await his anointing and the birth of the man-child ministry. Not the birth of the man-child physically, the birth of the man-child ministry. Okay. A light for revelation to the Gentiles, verse 32. And the glory of thy people Israel. And his father and his mother were marveling at the things which were spoken concerning him. And Simeon blessed them and said unto Mary his mother, Behold, this child is set for the falling and the rising of many in Israel, and you might as well say church there. And um, this child is set for the falling and rising of many in the church, and for a sign which is spoken against. Well, they will speak against the man-child, and they have done that, and we know people who do that, even people who uh, who. Uh, got the revelation, were excited about the revelation, but would not depart from their sins. And so they were turned over to a reprobate mind, and then they started speaking against, just like this is saying, against this sign. So this child Jesus, and Jesus in the man-child in our day, because history always repeats on a larger scale, will cause the falling of many. Acts 3 and 22, Moses indeed said, A prophet shall the Lord God raise up unto you from among your brethren like unto me, like unto me. All right. To him shall you hearken in all things whatsoever he shall speak unto you. Now this, this is a, a warning here. And it shall be that every soul that shall not hearken to that prophet shall be utterly destroyed from among the people. Hmm. Well, who is that prophet? 
it's Jesus. And and uh, what I'm going to show you is it's Jesus wherever he is speaking uh, to his people. If they ignore that, um, they're going to be cut off. So, those rejected by God will fall away from the word and leave so that their leaven will not pollute the rest of the body. And this child is also for the rising of many, right? Others will come and take their crown because they are obedient. 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27 says, Know ye not that they that run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize? And that one is Jesus, right? And those who abide in Jesus. Even so, run that you may attain. And every man that striveth in the games exercises self-control in all things. One thing you can find out about these reprobates is they don't control self. Self rules, and the devil through self in them. Now they do it to receive a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. I therefore so run, and not uncertainly, So fight I as not beating the air, but I buffet my body, and I bring it into bondage, lest by any means, after that I have preached to others, I myself should be rejected. Well, I'll tell you, if the great apostle Paul could be rejected, so could anyone else, right? And he says the key is, bring your body into bondage, right? Make it obey the spiritual man. Do not listen to your flesh or the devil through your flesh because that's how he comes at you. We received this by faith at random and it speaks of being tested by the word to be with the man-child Gideon. Yeah, watch. Judges 7 and 4. And the Lord said unto Gideon, The people are yet too many. Bring them down unto the water, and I will try them for thee there. And it shall be that uh, of whom I say unto thee, This shall go with thee, the same shall go with thee. And of whomsoever I say unto thee, This shall not go with thee, the same shall not go. Hmm. Luke 8 and 18 says, Take heed therefore how you hear, for whosoever hath fruit, I'm saying, I'll put that there because that's what the Lord showed me, whosoever hath, he said, to him shall be given. So whoever's got fruit, they will have more fruit. And whomsoever hath not fruit, from him shall be taken away even that which he thinketh he hath. Mm-hmm. Well, let me say the factious refuse to hear because of their love for their lusts. When you correct them for their huge lusts, um, they rebel very quickly and angrily. Uh, not like any humble person who wants to be delivered of their sins, but of people who don't want to be delivered. So what God gave to them of the knowledge and the fruit of the Lord was taken away. All knowledge received 
from UBM is gone from them. They have told me this. Uh, In the beginning, they were grieved, but then they didn't care because obviously these demons were taking more and more stranglehold upon them. They admired the lamb, but refused to eat the lamb. That he would live in them. And now they no longer even admire him, but have changed his likeness for a beast. Luke six, twenty one through twenty six. Blessed are ye that hunger now, for you shall be filled. Blessed are ye that weep now, for you shall laugh. Blessed are ye when men shall hate you, because this proves who you are and it proves who they are. Do you understand? You can look and see about any arguments out there. There'll be the persecuted and there'll be the ones who hate. And you'll know who's who. And when they shall separate you from their company, yes, and reproach you and cast out your name as evil for the Son of Man's sake. Okay, this is all part of the crucifixion and the making of the man-child, too. You know, they do separate you from their company. They reproach you. They cast out your name and so on and so forth. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven. For in the same manner did their fathers unto the prophets. Well, the apostates rejected and killed the prophets, and so it is today. What was it in these prophets that caused them to be so hated? Well, the Bible tells us it was Jesus. Hmm. The prophet. Hmm. Yeah. Verse 24. But woe unto you that are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe unto you that you are full now, for you shall hunger. Woe unto you, ye that laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. And woe unto you when all men shall speak well of you, for in the same manner did their fathers to the false prophets. John three nineteen through 21 And this is the judgment, that the light is come into the world, and men love the darkness rather than the light, for their works were evil. Oh, this is happening. For every one that doeth evil hateth the light, and cometh not to the light, lest his works should be reproved. Ah, no no correction. We don't want any correction, right? But he that doeth the truth cometh to the light, that his works may be made manifest, meaning to shine forth from them. That's what this manifest is speaking about. That they have been wrought in God. Well, Emmanuel is God with us and in us. John five nineteen through 30 Jesus therefore answered and said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, The Son can do nothing of himself, but what he seeth the Father doing. 
For what things soever he doeth, these the Son also doeth in like manner. So, Jesus, as the Son, in his Son's, will do the same works as he did in his first body. For the Father loveth the Son, and showeth him all things that himself doeth. And greater works than these will he show him, that you may marvel. Remember what Jesus said about those who received those greater works, right? Amen. So the sons will do the greater works they see their Father doing. Amen. For as the Father raiseth the dead and giveth them life, even so the Son also giveth life to whom he will. So the Son, in the sons, will raise the dead. Hmm. For neither doth the Father judge any man, but he hath given all judgment unto the Son. So the Son in the sons will judge the wicked. That all may honor the Son, even as they honor the Father. He that honoreth not the Son honoreth not the Father that sent him. Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word and believeth him that sent me hath eternal life, and cometh not into judgment, but hath passed out of death and into life. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the hour cometh and now is, when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God, and they that hear shall live. Hmm. They'll hear the voice of the Son of God. The Son in the sons are going to resurrect many dead in these days. For as the Father hath life in himself, even so gave he to the Son also to have life in himself. And he gave him authority to execute judgment, because he is a son of man. See, some people say, oh, Jesus did all that just because he's the Son of God. Well, no, uh, this authority was given uh, to Adam. He lost it. The second or last Adam uh, received it back because he didn't follow the devil. And so he passed it on to his sons, right? He is a son of man. Well, notice that the Son of God in the Son of Man has been given authority to judge the wicked. Hmm. Marvel not at this, for the hour cometh in which all that are in the tombs shall hear his voice, and shall come forth. They that have done good unto the resurrection of life, and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of judgment. I can of myself do nothing. As I hear, I judge. And my judgment is righteous, because I seek not mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. Amen. 
John 5, 41 through 46 says, I received not glory from men, but I know you, that you have not the love of God in yourselves. And I am come in my Father's name, and you receive me not. If another shall come in his own name, him you will receive. Oh, there's so many of them out there. You can see them. They just stick out like a sore thumb. They're full of pride and ego and and gain. So many respect the word of those who represent themselves rather than our Father. How can you believe who receive glory one of another? And the glory that cometh from the only God you seek not. Yep, as men seek the glory to steal the glory of God for themselves, as they seek this glory for themselves, they don't seek the glory that comes from the Father, but from man. Think not that I will accuse you to the Father. There is one that accuseth you, even Moses, on whom you have set your hope. For if you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote of me. So, what did Moses write of Jesus? Hmm. Well, when Jesus multiplied the bread, their eyes were opened to remember that Moses did the same thing. John six thirteen through 14 So they gathered them up and filled twelve baskets with broken pieces from the five barley loaves which remained over unto them that had eaten. When therefore the people saw the sign which he did, they said, This is of a truth the prophet that cometh into the world. Uh huh. So Moses wrote of the coming prophet that was like him, and we know it was Jesus, but since history always repeats on a larger scale, this is also true of Jesus coming in the man child prophets. Yeah, history repeats on a larger scale. How does it get larger? More people. And now Jesus is not just preaching to that little place in the Middle East. Now he is preaching to the world. Uh, Stephen said in Acts seven thirty-seven through 39, This is that Moses who said unto the children of Israel, A prophet shall God raise up unto you from among your brethren like unto me. So this is not coming down out of the sky. It's raising up from among the brethren, like unto me. Well, like Jesus, the man-child, being raised up on earth among the people of God, right? Oh, So this is he that was in the church in the wilderness with the angel that spoke to him in the Mount Sinai. Well, once again, we see that an angel spoke to the man-child Moses, but the wicked didn't believe it. 
Do they believe it today? Nope. Because they are the wicked. And with our fathers who receive living oracles to give unto us, to whom our fathers would not be obedient, but thrust him from them, and turned back in their hearts unto Egypt. And so it has happened also to the church of the New Testament. So those uh, Israelites were coming out from Egypt. They were the come-outers at that time. Um, and today we have also the come-outers out of apostate uh, Christianity to follow the Lord whithersoever he goeth, right? And so this is just like the wicked from among God's people today. Deuteronomy 18, 15-19 says, The Lord thy God will raise up unto thee a prophet from the midst of thee, of thy brethren, like unto me. Unto him you shall hearken. Well, when it happened with Moses, they weren't listening. Right? According to all that thou desirest of the Lord thy God in Horeb, in the day of the assembly, saying, but notice that the majority did not want to hear, right? Let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God, neither let me see this great fire any more, that I die not. <laughs> well, the whole point of listening to God's word through his prophets is so that we die to self. And they did not want this. Hmm. Could that be why so many fell in the wilderness? Well, of course. And the Lord said unto me, verse 16, or 17, excuse me, the Lord said unto me, They have well said that which they have spoken. I will raise them up a prophet from among their brethren like unto thee, and I will put my words in his mouth. And he shall speak unto... Now, now, look, they're looking at a man here. But God says he's going to put his words in his mouth. And he shall, he shall speak unto them all that I shall command him. And it shall come to pass that whosoever will not hearken unto my words, which he shall speak in my name, I will require it of him. In other words, he's going to hold them responsible because they have rejected God's word through man. They have taken from and added to his word like the last few verses in the book of Revelation, which causes them to be cut off, right? First Peter 2, 5 through 9. You also, as living stones, are built up a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Because it's contained in Scriptures, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be put to shame. 
For you, therefore, that believe is the preciousness. But for such as disbelieve, the stone which the builders rejected. The same was made the head of the corner. So they rejected him, but he was given the the leadership over them. Hmm. And a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, for they stumbled at the word, the word that was spoken through men. Right? Being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. Yes, God knows those are his. He did not choose you twelve, and one of you is a devil. He knows who are his. But you are an elect race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, that you may show forth the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. The Lord showed me that his spirit in the prophets was a stone that the builders rejected. That's right. You say, that was Jesus. That's right. It's Jesus' spirit that was in the prophets. 1 Peter 1, 10-11 Concerning which salvation the prophets sought and searched diligently, who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you, searching what time or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ which was in them, notice that, the Spirit of Christ which was in them did point unto when it testified beforehand of the sufferings of Christ and the glories that should follow them. So, the sons also suffer at the hands of the wicked. Jesus' Spirit in them is the stone which the builders rejected, and they also will come, will become the head over the builders. Hmm. Revelation 22 and 16, I, Jesus, have sent mine angel to testify unto you these things for the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright and the morning star. The root and the offspring of David, the bright and morning star. 185 times angels had relationships with men, but the wicked think this all passed away with the apostles like a lot of other things, right? Because they do not want the correction of the word in their pride. They don't want to depart from their sins. Therefore, it's ordained of them that they will not listen. And as you know, those that don't listen to that prophet are cut off from among the people. And 18 and 19, I testify unto every man that hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If any man shall add unto them, God shall add unto him the plagues which are written in this book. And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, 
God shall take away his part from the tree of life and out of the holy city, which are written in this book. And uh, 14 and 15. Blessed are they that wash their robes, that they may have the right to come to the tree of life and may enter in by the gates into the city. That city was the bride. Hmm. So some are entering into the bride. They're washing their robes, and they have a right to the tree of life, and they enter into the gates into Jerusalem, Zion, the bride, as John was told in the book of Revelation. And without are the dogs and the sorcerers and the fornicators and the murderers and the idolaters and everyone that loveth and maketh a lie. Well, the factious who went out from among us are all of this and more. Uh, Let the elect come out from among them. Amen? 1 John 2 and 18. Little children... It's the last hour. And as you heard that Antichrist cometh, and even now have there arisen many Antichrists. (laughs) See, they heard that too, right? Um, Whereby we know that it is the last hour. They went out from among us, and this is truly the last hour, right? There was a last hour uh, of the end of the uh, first church, And now there is a last hour of the end of the uh, Church of the New Testament, right? They went out from among us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. Hmm. But they went out that they might be made manifest that they all are not of us. Hmm. Okay, so that's very clear. Uh, So when did they go out from us? When they got corrected for their very obvious sin and rejected Jesus, the Word, which was spoken unto them. Well, it's a marvelous day that we're living in. A powerful day that we're living in. Last night, I was given a vision that I believe is about the prophet Jesus' voice being heard but disregarded. And as we just saw, this is going to cut people off. It has in the past with the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord and Jesus in them gave warning and they ignored it and they were cut off. Did you notice? So, what I saw was a very simple thing. I I looked out my window and I was looking down on, well, I was looking up first into a tree. 
and there was a bird there, uh, chirping, singing, a bird. Uh, it was a plain-looking bird. I don't know of any real uh, outstanding markings on it or anything like that. It was just a, a plain little bird singing. And uh, then I saw that bird swoop down and land right there on my patio, so to speak. And as I looked at it, it morphed into something that looked more like a hawk or an eagle. Well, I thought about this, and I believe that the Lord was saying that they, at first they love to hear the words that come from Jesus, even though they may come out of other mouths, even in our day. They love to hear it. But when they don't listen to it and obey it, like Paul warned, you know, that if he didn't keep his body under submission, he would be rejected. So the one that they listen to that receives these words that they loved to hear, but turned away from them, will be the head. The, the, the builders rejected, but they will be the head. So, then I was in the house, and some people were sitting next to me, And um, I was sharing with them about this bird. And right in the middle of me sharing about this bird, they totally ignored me. And um, it was like they didn't even hear me. They just interrupted me and went on with worthless chatter. They ignored it. Hmm. And I noticed sitting across from us was Greg. Now, I just had this, so I didn't haven't had time to think about it. Our friend Greg, our, our brother Greg here, and he was watching this whole situation, and he saw it. And at one moment I thought, I wonder what he thought about all this, you know. Well, they ignored it. They ignored what they loved to hear at first. But they ignored it because they were motivated by their sinful life to do what they wanted to do. So they went on in worthless chatter not listening to something that evidently was very important. And I believe what I'm saying to you here in the last part of this revelation here is that very important thing. The bird was a very plain-looking bird, but a, you know, nice-looking little bird, you know. 
And um, I listened and liked what I heard, and I'm sure that that's the way a lot of people come to our ministry. They like what they hear, and they're drawn by it, and they've, they've, uh, they want to hear truth. But walking in truth is a death to self. The truth will make you free from self. When the truth was in the mountain, they didn't want to hear it anymore. Because they didn't want to die. And and so I'm watching this happen and have been for some time watching this happen. And the words that were spoken to them from the Lord are now judging them. That sweet sound that at first they thought was sweet and good, now it was judging them. It's like the little bird morphed in front of my eyes to a bigger, larger uh, predator-type bird. As we've seen, the prophet, who is Jesus, no matter whether he spoke out of that first body of the Son of David or whether he's speaking out of the corporate body of the Son of David in our day or whether he spoke through the prophets of old, ultimately got rejected. And the people who rejected that word were judged and cut off. I I know what this is about. I know it's been happening, and I can see. Um, I've seen people just get cut off. They're suddenly not interested because um, they knew they were going to have to lose their life to gain their life. And they did not want to give it up. So, I was sharing with them, and then right in the middle of me sharing while I was speaking, they just interrupted with chatter and just kept on chattering back and forth to one another. They weren't paying any attention. They weren't listening to the prophet Jesus who was speaking in another man, which he has done all throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament. And uh, we've watched this over a period of time. When it came to them giving up their sins, their very evil sins, they became very self-righteous and turned and pointed the finger, as they did throughout all of history, by the way, at the messenger. And uh, accused of the very things they were doing.
full of hatred, demon-possessed, reprobates. And they, of course, go out to try to find as many people as they possibly can and make all their accusations, but not to the face of the one they're accusing. Matthew 18 and 15, Jesus demanded that, but they never could obey that. And uh, the same thing happened to Jesus. He didn't get a chance to uh, listen from these people of their false accusations, and the Pharisees loved to drag in people with their false accusations against him. And, of course, they had disobeyed the commands of Jesus to do that. And today, they are disobeying the commands of Jesus to do that. There is happening a great falling away. The Lord, um, when I had this vision this morning... reminded me of people back through the years that had done the exact same thing. And he reminded me of a couple of women. Um, one of them was a very chatty lady. Um, some of our old, very old, um, what were cassettes back then, you know, they're on those. Very chatty lady. Um, she was a Jezebel. And her husband was an Ahab. But they got saved out of their dead religion through the words of Jesus that came through me. And they came very interested, very happy to hear all these good things. The bird sounded very good, you know, and so on and so forth. And, um, but this person had dreams. And uh, in a lot of her dreams, there were, a, there were cats. Cats, as you know, are very self-willed and rebellious. And, um, they, the dreams were correcting her constantly, constantly for her Jezebel life. And, um, well, I very graciously interpreted her dreams. She would bring them to me. I would interpret them. Sometimes she'd ask right in the middle of the meeting, what does this mean? And I would tell her, what does this mean? It was very clear. I don't think anybody there with a heart to love and know the Lord um, did not understand what was being said. So there came a time when she gave up telling me about these dreams. She had them, but she wouldn't tell me about them anymore because she did not want to hear the interpretation. And they were so consistent and so easy to interpret. And um, to make a long story short, um, there were some people who got caught up in the false revival movement. And, uh, of course, 
Anytime anybody got caught up in that, those spirits entered in. Those kundalini spirits, Jezebel spirits entered into them. And they immediately hated me because I was warning about this thing. And I actually went there and uh, the Lord sent me there to look and see what was happening. And I saw them imparting demons to people calling it a revival because it was supernatural, but not because it was in alignment with what the Scripture says or what happened in the book of Acts. It was not a revival. It was the very opposite. I saw so many reprobate-type people coming to that thing. And some of them, of course, would come and visit us. So about that time, some uh, of the brethren who had been taken down by that so this this woman you know began to defend them Mm -hmm. and um, I told her she didn't know what she was doing and what this was going to cost her and uh, she got angry and of course I didn't see her anymore but which was good because she had been corrected everybody knew it her problem, everybody there knew her problem and her husband's problem. And um, I actually loved them both and, you know, was glad to see them come out of apostate Christianity. But there came a place where they just would not go any further. And it was because of the correction of God. He was not accepting their lifestyle. And the Lord reminded me of that how that they were just suddenly cut off. Because I know I shared the word of the Lord with them. And he reminded me of another person, a woman, whom um, the Lord had done miracles for, healed her. She was healed from terrible back problems and so on and so forth. And um, she had this problem where she was drawn to this man who was a married man. And uh, I told her, you have to repent of that. You have to turn away from that, that relationship she was having with a married man. I said, that is forbidden. She said, Well, I've tried, but I just can't give him up, you know. I told her one time, I said, Well, if you believed that you would go over there one day and he would pull out a gun and shoot you, you wouldn't go. But here you are in a situation where you're losing your life because of sin. So don't say, I can't give him up. If you found enough motivation, you would do it. So, make a long story short, again, she was gone and evidently did not give him up, you know. And uh, But then she came back, oh, I don't know, months later. And... Um, 
I recognize manipulation immediately. Um, she said, uh, David, I feel like the Lord wants me to come back and bring my tithes over here. I said, we've never charged anybody tithes, and you know it. And uh, so I asked the Lord for a word while I was sitting there in front of her, and I opened my Bible and stuck my finger down on what, at the time, I don't even remember what it is now, but the time was very clear that she was not to come back. And she looked at me and she saw that I, I saw something in the Word. And she said, well, what did you get? And I told her. And I said, you don't belong here. And she was gone. She thought she was going to bribe me with something like that. That was so stupid, you know, because I never preached the tithe. Or any gimme sermons or anything like that. We didn't even take up an offering. <laughs> so, uh, well, he just reminded me of that. And I want to say that there are people who have very gross, I mean gross, sexual lives. They have been turned over to this by the Lord. Because they refused the very words that they once very much appreciated. And it's a dangerous thing. Anybody, a prophet of the Old Testament, somebody in the New Testament that is ordained and sent by God, who speaks the word of God, the words of Jesus are being ignored by these people. And they're becoming more and more corrupt, and their families are being destroyed. We just saw recently that one little girl, who was such the sweetest little girl, I mean the sweetest, and wise, wiser than her daddy, who tried to correct him even when she was a little child, saying, don't do this, don't do this, the little child. And her father was a slanderer, um, a man that was full of sexual sins. And recently we saw that he grew a long ponytail, and this very sweet little daughter Looked like a boy. Shaved her head all the way up to the top, just a little bit of hair in the top, and she you couldn't tell her from a boy. And it's both of those things, by the way, in the Scriptures, I call it a shame. A shame. And yet, there is this reversal of roles there. It's just disgusting. When God turns people over to a reprobate mind, it is just that, a reprobate mind. Now, they heard the Word. They heard, they heard the good Word. They heard the truth. 
And when they denied the truth, their their father denied the truth and started his railing, he was taken out. And a son, obviously, we saw on the internet, was worshiping Satan. His, his family was destroyed because he didn't listen to the words of Jesus. And uh, it's a sad thing that's happening in these days, but we haven't seen anything yet. Saints, there is a great falling away happening. And as the pressure has turned up in the tribulation upon these people to submit to the beast and their system, multitudes of them will do just that. And even as you've seen, um, uh, leaders in denominations have come forward to say that the mark of the beast is annulled by the mark of God. When I just read to you the penalty, they totally ignored that. These people, you know, for the sake of advantage, the sake of their lusts, are now denying the mark of the beast. And they have it too, by the way, the spiritual mark of the beast. And they're trying to talk other people into taking it. Oh, don't worry about it. You'll need to buy and sell. You have to take care of your family. You know, these are total nutcases. These people, <laughs> people should flee from them. But they don't. They listen to them. People who want to live the the same lifestyle that they're living now in the days to come. And they won't turn loose of it. They won't be driven into a wilderness experience. They won't do it. They're going to give up the Lord instead of giving up their lives. In a spiritual way, we're all called to be martyrs. All of us. We have to lose our life to gain our life. And it doesn't matter, as we've said today, as we've shared other people sharing prophecies and so on. So as we shared today, it doesn't matter what you have to give up in order to keep this eternal life. Of course, the devil talks them out of it. They don't have to believe any of that, you know any of that warning. And they don't have that warning in them. There's no fear of God in them at all. No fear of God. That's part of that reprobation. Have some people been brought into that to be humbled later as God grants them their eyes to be opened? Uh, and they turn back to Him? I believe so. But we're coming to a place where there won't be any turning back at all. It'll be the end that 
God has chosen and He has rejected those who have rejected His voice. We just read it. His voice. Where does His voice come? Through the prophet. (laughs) Yes. The prophet Jesus. In whomsoever He is speaking out of. He is the stone which the builders rejected. When the Lord showed me that, that He is still the stone that the builders rejected, even though He is speaking out of other people, uh, and in the Old Testament, he, he was rejected and persecuted and killed, by the so-called people of God who were reprobated. So here we go. The most important thing to do is to hear His voice. That's the way it's going to come. You're going to have to ignore the body it comes in. It may be very simple like that little bird. And you may have loved that, hear that voice in the beginning, but the more it came against your flesh and against your sins, and you denied the Lord, the more reprobate you become. And it happens pretty quick. As we've seen, it happens pretty quick. So I say to the elect of God who are among these people, If you are capable, if you can do it, you need to repent and turn. If you can't, you've been chosen to be one of them. If you can't repent and return, now is the easiest time to do this. The pressure is going to be put on in a major way in the tribulation to submit to this mind of the beast. And as I've shared in the past, people who have the spiritual mark of the beast will take the physical mark of the beast. Now is the time for people to repent and turn to the Lord with all of their heart. Because the pressure is going to be turned up. As the prophecy, too, that we shared, they're going to try to take everything away. So-called Christians are going to be the outcasts of society. They're going to blame the Christians for all of the things that are happening now, which ultimately fail. They're going to blame them. Notice, notice in the, this new age movement of a thousand years of peace, which God said cannot happen, I do believe that this is going to start out good in that in uh, Isaiah 45, God used it to restore the kingdom but it's not going to end up good. There'll be a time when you're going to have to totally separate from this thing. 
It's one beast conquering the previous beast, but they're all beasts. Turn to the Lord. Righteousness delivereth from death, the Bible says. Only those who receive the word of the Lord, no matter what vessel it comes out of, it could come out of a donkey. It makes no difference. It's not the flesh that counts. It's the spirit that counts, Jesus said. And the spirit of Jesus will speak out of people, even a child. I saw that happen. The child corrected this man. And, of course, they brought that child home and, you know, in the Spirit, bludgeoned that child until they, too, received this. Because if you remember, in Matthew 18, the, the story that Jesus told about um, the servant who wouldn't forgive his fellow servant, and um, the Lord judged not only him, but his whole family. Because that's part of their judgment. And um, Jesus went on to say that uh, if you don't forgive everyone, your brother from the heart, my Father will turn you over to the tormentors. Well, we've seen that happen. Of course, it is for the purpose of causing anyone who would repent to repent. In 1 Corinthians 5, the man was turned over to Satan. He also was in gross immorality. Why do they all choose this? I don't know, but it seems that all of them that are judging and criticizing and slandering and pointing the finger, they all get turned over to gross immorality. It's, it's like God saying, oh, you think you can judge somebody else? Let me show you how bad you can get. Yeah. They went out from among us that they might be made manifest that they all are not of us. Thank you, Lord, for doing that to cleanse your body, to purify your body, to deliver your people from evil. Thank you, Lord, for setting your captives free from their bondage in Babylon to go back and rebuild your kingdom. It's interesting. At this time, we see people going into bondage, and we see people coming out of bondage. We're seeing both of those things. Those that reject the words of the prophet, Jesus, are being cut off and are going into bondage, gross bondage. And those who are coming to the Lord are picking up their crowns and going on. They're taking their place. They're coming in. They've been granted repentance out of the world. And they've been granted repentance in their Babylonish religion to come out and to go to Zion to rebuild the kingdom as it was.
So we're seeing both of these things. And of course, the people who are going into bondage are doing everything they can to convince the others who are coming out of bondage that they're going the wrong way. <laughs> and the first thing that they love to do is what they did all through the Old Testament is slander the messengers. Slander the messengers so they won't believe it. So that they'll believe that these messengers are bad people. And if the if, if these people... Contrary to Jesus' command, will listen to slander. Those demons will enter into them and take them out. You say, aren't you tired of, you know, warning people of that? Yes, I am. I am so tired of warning people. And I do believe that for the bride and for the man-child, we are coming to a place where none of these people will pass through them again. As the word clearly says, and we're coming to the place where these people will be Judas's to the rest of the body. And they have been. So, Father, we just ask your mighty grace, O Lord, Lord, you know from the foundation of the world who you have chosen. And you warn us about the people that we're seeing in these days who went out from among us. And you warned about them, and you told us that this was the spirit of Antichrist. And that everyone who is Christ confesses Christ, confesses the Word, believes in the Word, humbles themselves to the Word, and uh, more is given to them while what's been given to the former uh, is taken away from them. In the parable of the talents, the one talent was taken away and given to him that had ten. They said, but he has ten. <laughs> yeah, but that's what's happening. Those that bury in the earth or in the flesh their talents that they've been given by God are going to find themselves rejected. It's not knowing to do good that does you anything. It's knowing and doing. It's not just the hearers, but the doers of the Word that are justified before God. And I've talked to people, you know, who are in these this uh, apostate tribe, so to speak, and um, they say, well, we don't study the Word anymore. We play music and do things like that, but we don't study the Word anymore. 
because they don't the demons in them don't want them to hear it. Can you imagine a people who once knew that the word was so important to recreate in them the life of Christ? Now, because they denied the Lord and denied their faith in the Lord and His word, are turned over to this reprobate mind. And there are still people out there that don't know the rules that Jesus gave us very plainly. We've stressed them for quite a while now until, yes, I am tired of stressing them. And some people are tired of hearing it. But you know what? <clears throat> there are still people that do it again, even though they are the ones that probably liked it the least. But they, they are falling away. So, a great falling away is coming during the tribulation period. And it's, it's all actually always been, but now since we're coming to the end, God's not going to accept any fence sitters. They're going to fall on one side or the other. The parable of the sower is very plain. that of the four different types of people, three will fall away and one will bear fruit 30, 60, and 100 fold. They gave good ground to the seed. They were humble to the seed of the Lord. Others are willing to receive the seed of the beast. That's the harlot. They were in fornication, the harlot and the beast, in the scriptures I read to you. They received the seed of the beast. Now, the beast is just people who are totally fleshly, right? Totally given over to their flesh, no conscience of God. So, this seed is in the harlot. She committed fornication with the beast. And she, you know, um, will be pointing people to the beast. And we even seen, as I told you before, the, the left behind garbage. Um, they say it's okay to take the mark of the beast because the mark of Christ annuls the mark of the beast. So these are people that have preached the word of God in a perverted version for their denomination, which was powerless, a powerless denomination from which the Lord says to turn away from because this is a fake it is not the truth. We're commanded to turn away from them. If they do not have the Holy Spirit, preach against the Holy Spirit, claim they've got the Holy Spirit when they've got no gifts whatsoever and their prophecies are getting further and further away from Christ. And thank God some people are seeing this. They're getting so bad that some of the people among them are seeing this and coming out and looking for truth. Now, you know, this um, 
draining of the swamp. I got to tell you, there's a judgment going to fall on these false leaders because before the tribulation starts, which is the wilderness that the Israelites went into behind the man-child reformer Moses, that type is going to be fulfilled. And these people who have been uh, holding God's people in bondage um, and uh, living after the lusts of their flesh, these people are going to be judged so that people can see it and come out from among them and be separate from them. Oh, there was a testing in the wilderness because the mixed multitude came out too, a a mixed multitude. Most of them stayed in, but uh, a mixed multitude came out too, and they were mixed because they were part Egyptian and part Israelite, part child of God and part belonging to this world. And they turned the hearts of God's people in a wrong direction, and judgment had to come. So when we go into the wilderness, just remember that once again, among the people of the church, not the bride, that's a body that's formed already at the time the tribulation starts, not the man-child, that's a body that's already formed by the time the tribulation starts, Uh, but the church, Among the church, there will still be this mixed multitude which are going to try to turn people back, return to Egypt, return to the ways of the old man, return to the ways of the flesh. They're going to try to turn people back. And to the extent that any one of us, you know, is becoming sanctified of the old life and willing to give up the old life and not worship the golden calf that they worshipped in Egypt, hmm, and call it Jesus, hmm, yeah. Anybody that is willing to go totally to God's Word, will find the grace of God to manifest Jesus Christ. And some um, just cannot go there. They just cannot. They do not find grace. How, how is it that they do not find grace in the moment that they need it? Because grace comes through faith. As we just mentioned and as we just shared, Don't give up the faith. Don't give up the faith in the word of the Lord that is spoken through his people. Don't give up the faith. Don't deny the Lord and give up the faith. Okay. Because you have given up your eternal life. At the moment, I know a whole bunch of people that have given up eternal life if they die in the state that they're in now. And I know that many of them will. They will die in the state that they are now. 
and we've received revelation over the years concerning them. There will be some to come out from among them and be spared. Just like Revelation 18, he commands his people to come out of the harlot to be spared of the judgments. And God is saying, this is the easiest time to come out. This is the time to listen. This is the time to repent. More pressure is going to be put upon the people of God to give up their faith in Jesus, their faith walk. Some of them cannot go there now. You know, going into the wilderness is a place where you have to trust in God. You can't trust in the doctors of Egypt. You can't trust in the money makers of Egypt. You can't trust in the flesh pots of Egypt. In the wilderness, they only had one Savior. (laughs) And He saved them out of heaven. The manna fell, water out of the rock, etc., etc. Impossibilities, but it was done. A lot of these people going into this wilderness have no such faith. It will be natural for them to turn back to take the mark so they can feed their children and feed themselves and live their nice lifestyle for just a moment. It will be natural for them. They deny the faith even now. So faith is going to be the dividing factor. They deny the true faith of Christianity. They have a form of godliness, but they deny the power thereof. They claim to be filled with the Spirit of God, but there's no gifts among them. And wherever they deny tongues, there's no gifts among them. That's the entrance right there. And it is and it is uh, something that's foolish to the world. So God's kind of put this at the beginning of their spiritual walk. He chose the foolishness, the foolish things of men. And this is, a, this is like a... Um, a warning away of the people who only want to live the natural life, the mind-driven life. And God did that on purpose. I've always said my qualifications are very clear in the Bible. God chose the weak. To confound the wisdom of the wise. He chose the nobodies and all this. I, I know I'm qualified for all of those reasons that he mentioned there, you know. And um, I'm glad that God chose uh, my weakness to be powerful through me. And I do believe all of that is still coming. And I say, um, I say to you, hold fast to the faith of the word, the word of the Lord, um, because those who deny that prophet 
are going to be separated from the people. It is happening as we speak. God is already preparing as we speak. And the mother of the harlots, those people who, uh, whose denominations came out of the mother harlot, they are the harlots. It's very, very simple. It's stated there in black and white. They are the harlots. Come out from among them. There will be one flock, one shepherd. Ezekiel 34 is very clear how God's going to do this. One flock, one shepherd. Come out from among these sects, these divisions, these strifes, which Paul called a work of the flesh. Come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord have nothing to do with the form of godliness that denies the power thereof. When they do not receive the Holy Spirit, and speaking in tongues, when they do not receive what the early church received to be the powerhouse that they were, they're just going to be a dead religion. Come out from among them and be separate. Don't let them drag you down. Of course, they criticize and they denigrate anybody that uh, receives the Spirit exactly as they did in the book of Acts. Jesus told them to tarry in Jerusalem until they received this promise of the Father, this power from out of heaven. And as soon as they started speaking in tongues, the false people around them started criticizing them. Even though a miracle was happening there, they were speaking in their languages. And they knew that wasn't them. They just claimed that they were drunks. Well, Lord, uh, Lord, we love you and we praise you. We thank you for drawing us today. We know that we have not because we ask not. And we ask, Lord, for your grace to live in us. For your power to arise in us. The power that Jesus gave to save, to deliver, to heal, to raise the dead. All, this power convinced people that he was a true prophet, if not more. <laughs> Yeah, it convinced people. And the ones that couldn't be convinced because they were jealous, well, these people were reprobates. They were in every kind of sin. And he told them to, okay, you that are righteous among you, let him cast the first stone, right? But they didn't pay any attention. Oh, Lord. We thank you, Father, for what you have done. Your wisdom is separating the wheat from the tares. And uh, you're gathering the tares in bundles to burn them. As you've said, we're watching it happen. And uh, we pray for all of your elect 
that they'll get the lessons and the humbling that they need and that they will come out from among them and be separate. But we're not under any illusions. We know what you said that um, and that you are separating the wheat from the tares. The separation has to come. Uh, but you said it would happen at the harvest. And so here we are. We're at the harvest. And the separation is happening. And um, many are falling away, but also many are being made righteous. And we know, you know, by the difference between the persecuted and the persecutors, we can see who's who. We can see who's who. So, Lord, let your people learn this lesson and repent and turn to you. These are signs of the end times that we are in. God is showing us who's who. Thank you, Father, for this in Jesus' name. Thank you for this opportunity, Lord, to to gather and to share the word. And uh, we love you and we praise you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, saints, God bless you and keep you. There's a storm a-coming. Get ready. Trust in the Lord. Amen. Good night. Well, thank you, Brother David, and God bless you. Hello, saints. Good to be back with you again on this cold morning. Let's go to the Lord. Father God, we just praise you and we glorify you, Lord. We thank you for the things that you're doing and you're teaching us how to speak faith, profess faith for our family and our friends and our loved ones. And we ask, Father, that you anoint us today to get this wonderful word out about having faith for our family and our loved ones. Thank you, Father, for doing this in Jesus' name. Well, that's what I want to talk to you about today, uh, is having faith for our family. You know, the Lord expects us to use our faith. And what I'm fixing to share with you today is that he wants us to express our faith in the words that we speak concerning our family and concerning those loved ones that we prayed for and concerning all the people that we are praying for. He wants us to express our faith, to confess our faith. And we have the authority to do that. Now let's look at Proverbs 11 and 21. Though hand join in hand, the evil man shall not be unpunished, but the seed of the righteous shall be delivered. The seed of the righteous shall be delivered. And it also means escaped or saved and on and on. And it's one of those uh, real broad words. The seed of the righteous shall be saved. They shall be delivered. They shall escape. They, they shall be blessed, in other words. Well, who are the seeds of the righteous? And what is the seeds of the righteous? Is the flesh man the seed of the righteous? <clears throat> is he talking about the fleshly children that we have? Or is he talking about the spiritual children that we have? Is he talking about the spiritual man in the children that we're bringing forth? Or is he talking about that flesh and blood? 
that flesh and blood really is just a means to an end. It's not the ultimate. The ultimate, of course, is the spiritual man that's growing on the inside. And how do we cooperate with God in bringing to life that spiritual man? Well, of course, it's with the words that we speak. It's the words that we confess. The born-again man is not born again by flesh. And as Nicodemus found out, it was through words. Jesus, born from above, the word of God that came down out of heaven that gives life to the world. Jesus said he was that word. And in the parable of the sower, he sowed the seed by speaking the word. And that seed went into hearts, recreated himself in them, and brought forth fruit 30, 60, and 100 fold. That's the seed of the righteous. Well, what is the seed of the spiritual man, the righteous man? What is the things that you speak and confess? Whether they're into your children or whether they're into your wife or whether it's into your husband or whether it's into the people around you. That's the seed of the righteous in a spiritual way in the New Testament. Does that also include our children? Yeah, it does. But we need to cooperate with God in the things that we say over our children. Because Proverbs 18 and 21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. What's he talking about? Well, he's talking about spiritual death or spiritual life is in the power of the tongue. And as we as sons of the last Adam, Jesus Christ, learn to bring forth our children in the same way he does by speaking those words into people, confessing those words into people. Jesus said his words were spirit and they were life. Of course, they were his spirit and his life, and he spoke them into people and it brought forth his life in them. We've got this same authority with our children. Over in James chapter 3, it talks about the power of the tongue, and it talks about the man who stumbles not in word being a perfect man. And he's able to bridle the whole body because his tongue is in agreement with God's word. He's able to bring it under submission. That's the same thing. When we speak the word of God into other people, it empowers them to have victory over the flesh and to rule over the flesh. He talks about the tongue being like the rudder of a, of a ship, a very small rudder, but it turns a very big ship. And our tongue, if we'll speak the word of God and agree with the word of God, it'll turn that ship around. It will turn the ship of our house around. He also said that the tongue had the power to set on fire the cycle of life or the wheel of nature, which is sowing and reaping. Your tongue has the power to destroy you, bring you into more and more corrupt situations. Verse 8 in James chapter 3 says, But the tongue can no man tame. It is a restless evil. It is full of deadly poison. Therewith bless we, 
the Lord and Father, and therewith curse we men who are made after the likeness of God. When you don't believe the word of God, you have the ability to curse men with your tongue. What we need to do is to sow the word of the gospel in people because it encourages them. It puts faith in them. It puts hope in them. It causes the cycle of life or the will of nature to be upward instead of downward. And we need to do this with our children, and we need to do this with people we want to be saved, and we need to speak what we have prayed for these people. Mark eleven twenty four says, Therefore I say unto you, all things whatsoever you pray and ask for, believe that you received them, and you shall have them. What you're praying for your children, you need to be speaking over. Or your grandparents, or your parents, or your spouse. What you're praying for them is what you need to be speaking to them. And God will cause that to go into their heart and encourage them and put faith in them. Faith is what you need to receive the nature of Jesus Christ. Repentance is a change of mind, but faith is believing what God says, especially the good news, the promises of God. We have to major on God's promises and not major on the bad news. And that don't have any power of salvation at all is the bad news. James chapter 3 and verse 10 says, Out of the mouth can come forth blessings and cursings. And my brethren, these things ought not to be. Doth the fountain send forth from the same opening sweet water and bitter? Can a fig tree, my brethren, yield olives or vine figs? Neither can salt water yield sweet. So the sweet waters of God's word needs to be going forth out of our mouth. We agree with what the word of God says about our children. And we notice that God promised household salvation to those that believe. That was the condition. To those that believe. So as we believe what God says about this precedent that he's put in the word, of household salvation, and we begin to speak it. In other words, let our tongue be connected to our faith, not to what we see with our natural eyes, but with what we see with our spiritual eyes. We will see that God will turn things around. And yes, He, we will go through a trial, and they're going to try us, and with our natural eyes, we'll see their foolishness, their mistakes, their failures, But don't let that drag you down because you don't walk by sight, do we? We walk by faith. So continue to believe and speak the word of God and be that vessel through whom the living waters of God's word can go forth. Revelation 22 says this, and this is a picture of the church. People want to put this away out in the future, but actually this is a picture of those people who are walking as sons of God now. Verse 1 of Revelation 22 says, And he showed me a river of water of life, bright as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. Well, the water of life, the river of living water. What did Jesus say about the river of living water? John seven thirty eight says, He that believes on me, as the scripture has said, from within him shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believed on him were to receive. 
How does the Spirit come out of us as a river of living water? Well, it comes out in the form of words, right? The words of the Spirit are living waters. It says it proceeds out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. Well, where's that? Well, the throne of God is our heart. The Lord is enthroned in the Holy of Holies. In the Old Testament as a type and a shadow. Then there was a holy place and then there was the outer court. And we walking are a picture of the tabernacle. Individually we are a tabernacle and our Holy of Holies is our spirit. And inside there, God's got his throne. The mercy seat is there where God's presence is between the angels of God. Out of there flows the word of God by the spirit of God. Well, how does that happen? Well, it comes to pass because we repent and we believe the word of God. We make it our words. We make it our thoughts. So what comes out of us is not necessarily quoting the word of God, but it is the word of God because we have this renewed mind. And what's coming out of our renewed mind is renewed words. When we believe what God says about household salvation, and we can agree with that and speak it and confess it, God is able to bring it to pass because these rivers of living water do what? Well, Revelation 22 and 2 says, In the midst of the street thereof, and on this side of the river, and on that was the tree of life bearing twelve manner of fruits, yielding its fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. So the tree of life, flowing past the tree of life, is a river of living water. In Proverbs 15 and 4, we're told the healing of the tongue is a tree of life. So now, you've got the waters flowing over the tongue to heal the nations. The word nations there is the Gentiles, the heathen. In other words, God's word coming out of us is going to bring healing to them. Does it do it suddenly? Not usually, but it can. The thing is, we have to continue to walk by faith. And we need to continue to confess what the Bible says about them. And what the Bible says about us. These rivers of living water flow out over the tongue which is the tree of life, and therefore the healing of the nations. Revelation 22 and 3, And there shall be no curse anymore. Glory be to God. The rivers of living water are to do away with the curse. And if you don't know what the curse is, just take a look around you. You can see what the curse is. All the detrimental things that have ever happened to man, that's the curse, contrary to what the Bible calls a blessing. In Deuteronomy 18, he tells you what the blessings are and he tells you what the cursings are. And the cursings are just the opposite of the blessings, right? When we begin to agree with God and let his word flow out of us, that's for the healing of the lost around us. And it's going to bring forth his fruit. Did Jesus believe in blessing people in in that way? What Jesus did was an example to us. He's not only the Son of God, He is the pattern for the sons of God. He was the firstborn among many brethren, the Bible says. 
Mark 10, 13 through 16. And they were bringing unto him little children that he should touch them. And the disciples rebuked them. But when Jesus saw it, he was moved with indignation. And he said unto them, Suffer the little children to come unto me. Now, you know that we can all be little children, spiritually speaking. It's not just physical little children, but spiritual little children that God blesses. Suffer the little children to come unto me. Forbid them not, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Verily I say unto you, whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, he shall in no wise enter therein. Verse 16. And he took them in his arms and blessed them, laying his hands upon them. He blessed them by laying his hands upon them. Can Jesus in us do the same thing? Some people say that was just Jesus. Well, Jesus lives in me, don't he? He lives in you. And if the word of God lives in you, to what extent the word of God lives in you, to that extent, Jesus lives in you. And that's to the extent you're submitted unto him. He lives in you. He in you is the one that does the work anyway. He's the one who lives as a Christian. He's the one that does the work. Jesus is the one. We give all the credit to him. So he can bless the children. He can lay hands on the children and bless them. Well, what is it to bless our children? First of all, it's to believe the prayers that we have prayed for them. We need to believe what we have prayed for, and we need to agree with it. James 2 and 17 says, faith without works is dead. And if you truly do believe what you have prayed for them, believe you have received, then that's what you need to begin to speak. And God will bring it to pass. And we've got many examples in the scriptures of of those things. Look in Genesis 9. Chapter 9 and verse 20. Here's a twofold example of this, both a good example and a bad example. Genesis 9, 20. <clears throat> and Noah began to be a husbandman, husbandman and planted a vineyard. And he drank of the wine and was drunken. And, but, and he was uncovered within his tent. And Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father and told his two brethren without. What is it for Ham to see the nakedness of his father, his uncovered father? That was speaking about the old man, getting your your eyes on the old man. And the Bible speaks about that in James chapter 1 and verse 23. It says basically that if you see your natural face in the mirror, in other words, your old sinful self in the mirror, he says you're just going to be a hearer of the word and not a doer of the word. And there ain't no power in that. Basically, when you do that, you're cursing your fruit. When you get your eyes on what you are in the physical and not what God says you are in the spiritual by his promises. Ham got his eyes on the nakedness of the old man. So nakedness is a revelation of sin. When Adam and Eve got the revelation that they were sinners, they realized that they were naked. That's what it represents. And when Ham did this, Genesis 9, 22, and told his two brethren without, 
And Shem and Japheth took a garment, laid it upon both their shoulders, and went backward and covered the nakedness of their father. And their faces were backward, and they saw not their father's nakedness. In other words, they didn't look upon the nakedness of their father. They got their eyes the very opposite direction of the nakedness of their old man. It says, their faces were backward, and they saw not their father's nakedness. Verse 24, And Noah awoke from his wine and knew what his youngest son had done unto him. So basically, Shem and Japheth, their eyes were in the opposite direction, and that's where our eyes ought to be. When you look at your natural face in the mirror, you're going to be cursed. You're not going to have any power and you're, all you're going to be is a hearer of the word and not a doer of the word. But if you behold in the mirror the glory of the Lord, which is the gospel, then you don't live anymore. Christ lives in us. Then we're looking in the opposite direction of the nakedness of the old man. They were blessed. <clears throat> we'll see in Noah's blessings and curses, Genesis 9.25, it says, Cursed be Canaan. A servant of servants will he be unto his brother. Well, why did he curse Canaan? Why didn't he curse Ham? Because Canaan is Ham's fruit. If you get your eyes on the old man, you're cursing your fruit. And if you get your eyes on the old man of your children, of your wife, if you get your eyes on the old man, you're going to curse your fruit. You have to, what you have to do is believe in faith. And do what the Lord demonstrated for us, who calls the things that be not as though they were, who believed that they received, Romans 4 and 17. We need to believe we have received what we prayed for. <clears throat> In other words, we get our eyes off the things that are and get our eyes on what God promised. Folks, that's how faith works. Faith is a victor that overcomes the world. We need to put faith in our loved ones and in our family to see themselves as the Bible says they are. There has to be a correction as part of it, but blessing can be twofold. Number one, it can be revealing to people who they are in God and who God says they are and helping them to believe that they are who God says they are. And number two, correction. Correction is a blessing. Did you hear me? Correction is a blessing. And it is not a part of the curse. Correction is necessary. If a person doesn't correct their child, the Bible says they hate their child. There has to be correction. <clears throat> Noah was in a bad state there. <clears throat> he was blessing and cursing out of the same mouth. He was drunk. He was out of touch with reality. He was the basic cause of this problem. There's a lot of people in the church today that are drunk. They're out of touch with reality. And I'm talking about spiritual heavenly reality. We need to have our minds renewed to find out what reality really is. And Noah said in Genesis chapter 9 and verse 26, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Shem. Well, Shem means name. It's the Old Testament word for name, the people of the name, the Shemites, you know, the Jews, the people of the name. 
These were the blessed of the Lord. And in this case, Shem was turned around backwards and he backed in there and didn't get his eyes on the old man. He was looking off in the opposite direction and he said, let Canaan be his servant. Over the centuries, that is exactly what happened. They conquered the Canaanites and and enslaved them. God enlarged Japheth and let him dwell in the tents of Shem. Here is a guy coming out of a drunk and he's making these blessings and cursings and they came to pass. They all came to pass. God did enlarge Japheth and let him to dwell in the tents of Shem. The Gentiles received salvation and entered into the kingdom. And he said, let Canaan be his servant. That happened too. And we know something about this particular curse, and that is that Jesus broke this curse for all that believe in him. Galatians 3 and 13. He became a curse for us that we might have Abraham's blessings. So God took our curse, put it on the Lord Jesus, and this is that part of the curse that was put on the Lord Jesus. Now, some of you might be saying, well, am I still under this? No, you're not. Not if you're a believer. But if you're not a believer, then yes, you're still under the curse of this world, all of them, because you're still under the God of this world. So we have to repent. We have to change our mind. We have to believe what the gospel says concerning us. Now, let's jump over to Genesis 27. Here we got Isaac was getting old and his eyesight was dim. And he decided he didn't know how much longer he had. So he was calling in his son Esau, his firstborn, in order to give him the blessing. But if you remember, before this, Esau sold his birthright as the firstborn to Jacob because he didn't think much of it. It meant very little to him. So Jacob ended up with the birthright of the firstborn. And folks, that's a spiritual type for us too. But now Esau wanted to claim the blessing of the firstborn, but he had sold his position of the firstborn. So Rebekah, his mother and the mother of Jacob, heard the conversation between Isaac and Esau uh, when he called Esau in, and she decided to scheme with her son Jacob, that word that name Jacob means supplanter, to deceive Isaac into blessing Jacob instead of Esau. Now, that's the background of the story that we're looking at here. The thing about it is that when God's people were in Egypt, he cursed the firstborn of Egypt and he blessed the firstborn of Israel. Egypt represented the old man, and God's not going to accept that which is born of the old man in the kingdom of heaven whatsoever. It says, flesh and blood shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But he has blessed the spiritual man, who is the Israelite, the firstborn. And he declared the Israelite, the firstborn of Israel, was his. That was his chosen possession. But he totally rejected the firstborn of Egypt. 1 Corinthians 15.45 So also it is written, The first man, Adam, became a living soul. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. Howbeit, that is not first which is spiritual, but that which is natural. Then, 
that which is spiritual. What's what's born first? The firstborn is a natural man, and then that which is spiritual. So the secondborn, or the born again man, is a spiritual man. Verse forty-seven: The first man is of the earth, earthy; <clears throat> the second man is of heaven. As is the earthy, such are they also that are earthy. And as is the heavenly, such are they also that are heavenly. And as we have borne the image of the earthy, that's the firstborn, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly, that's the secondborn, or the born-again man. That's the man that's blessed. And that's the man that's chosen of God. Well, back in our text, what Isaac was attempting to do was bless the firstborn, which was their custom back then, but God changed that custom. Not only with Isaac, but also with Jacob, as we're going to see a little bit later. God's plan was to give the secondborn the firstborn's blessing. What man did to bless the firstborn, God annulled. He even used this to give Jacob the firstborn blessing. And he's doing that today, folks. What's firstborn in you is the natural man. That's not the chosen man. In the Old Testament, Israel was the natural man, not the born-again man. That wasn't God's chosen people. Those people, the Bible tells us very plainly, <clears throat> had to hear the gospel from Jesus, who went and preached to the spirits in prison, and he took captive ca- captivity captive. And that's the righteous who believed the gospel that Jesus preached to, the souls in prison. He could He took captivity captive, and he took them to heaven. They had to be born from above by the word of God. And they were in a meantime state. They were living the letter and not the spirit. They were the natural man. They were not the spiritual man. The second man is the spiritual man. And that's the church. Now every Jew has to be born again. As Jesus told Nicodemus. They must be born again. They have to be born of the second Adam. That's the creation that God demands for his kingdom. And he's not going to accept a person who's born of the first Adam. The natural man is first. The spiritual man is second. The born again man, the second man, is the one that God has chosen. Matthew 20 and 16. So the last shall be first and the first shall be last. Then that was true of both Israel and the church. And it's true in us, speaking of the natural man and the spiritual man. The first in the kingdom, the greatest in the kingdom, is the last. The first has to die. God sent the judgment, the Passover judgment in Egypt, to destroy the firstborn of Egypt. And that's the natural man. The Passover passed over the Israelites and spared the firstborn of Israel, the spiritual man, the one that God had chosen to be his. And he tells us that in Exodus 13, that these are mine, says the Lord. So I need to point out to you how important it is what we say over people. First of all, think about it. Why did Jacob and Rebekah go to so much trouble to deceive Isaac into saying these few words over Jacob? Why was it so important to them? Well, they saw, they knew something there that a lot of Christians today don't know. That the patriarch of the family, the husband, the dad, has authority to speak the blessing over the children. Or the cursing like Noah did. He could speak the blessing. 
you know, or he can speak the cursing. Well, can't mom do that? Well, of course mom can. But the Bible says that if mom says something that's contrary to the word of God, that that can be annulled by the father, by the husband and by the dad. He has the ultimate authority in the household. And folks, it's still that way today. I don't care if you believe it or not. I do. You should care and repent because the Bible is very plain that the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. And God's not going to change his mind for anybody. He ain't going to do that. You either submit to him or go your own way with the Jezebel doctrines of today. At any rate, why was it so important that they would go to such strange depths to try to deceive Isaac into blessing Jacob? And that was God's plan from the beginning, if you don't know. Because they knew that there was something powerful in what this man was going to say in his blessings. Now, do we have to wait until the end of our life to do it? No, we do it every day. We do it all the time. We do it when we speak of our children and our family and when we give the report to people who ask us about our children and our family. We say these things all the time and sometimes we just need to repent and agree with the word of God. Now, let me read a little bit of this story to show you how important it is. For one thing, Jacob was a little worried. He told his mom, well, suppose he finds out our our lies and speaks a cursing on me instead of a blessing. He said that in verse 12 because that was a possibility and he worried about it. Some people don't think that we have the power out of the same well to speak sweet waters and bitter. And it did say, we just read it there, James 3, that we bless God and at the same time we curse men. We have the authority to do that. And they knew that. They believed that in their day. The strange thing is the church doesn't believe that today. What are we going to do with our children? They are so rebellious. They are so this or they are so that. Correcting them is good, but at the same time, we need to tell them, look, this is who you are. This is who you were chosen to be. This is what God did for you. And we can do like Jesus said, and we can lay hands on them, and we can pray for them. And God's going to hear our words of faith. Genesis 27 and 18 says, And he came unto his father and said, My father. And he said, Here am I. Who art thou, my son? Because obviously he was blind. And Jacob said unto his father, I am Esau, thy firstborn. Well, there's the deception right there. He goes on and says, I have done according as thou badest me. Arise, I pray thee, sit and eat of my venison. And of course, it was all it was was an old goat, but apparently they dressed it up pretty good, right? That thy soul may bless me. And Isaac said unto his son, How is it that thou hast found it so quickly, my son? And he said, Because the Lord thy God sent me good speed. And Isaac said unto Jacob, Come near, I pray thee, that I may feel thee, my son, whether thou be my very son Esau or not. Well, it seems like Isaac was suspicious, wasn't he? The voice wasn't quite the same. 
Verse 22, And Jacob went near unto Isaac his father, and he felt him, and said, The voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. That's because they had wrapped goat skin around his arms. Verse 23, And he discerned him not, because his hands were hairy as his brother's Esau's hands. So he blessed him. And he said, Art thou my very son Esau? And he said, I am. And he said, Bring it near to me, and I will eat of my son venison, that my soul may bless thee. And he brought it near to him, and he did eat. And he brought him wine, and he drank. And his father Isaac said unto him, Come near now, and kiss me, my son. And he came near, and kissed him, and he smelled the smell of his raiment, and blessed him, and said, See, the smell of my son is as the smell of a field which the Lord hath blessed. And God give thee of the dew of heaven and of the fatness of the earth and plenty of grain and new wine. And let people serve thee and nations bow down to thee. Be Lord over thy brethren and let my mother's son bow down to thee. Cursed be every one that curses thee and blessed be every one that blesses thee. And it came to pass as soon as Isaac had made an end of blessing Jacob and Jacob was yet scarce gone out from the presence of Isaac, his father, that Esau, his brother, came in from his hunting. Well, that's quite a blessing that he had put on him, but what are we to do? Are we to bless the natural man and the carnal man, or are we to bless the spiritual man? Some people, the only thing they are after for their children is the physical blessings of this world. That's what the world calls blessings. But God chose that are chose those that are rich in faith and poor to the world to be heirs to the kingdom. And sometimes the things that we pray upon our children or the band of our children, as far as their education, is because we want them to be successful in the world. And yet in some cases, this is the very thing that can be a curse to them. Riches and education. Do you know how many Christian children go to get a higher education and they turn away from the Lord and never go back? Is it really that important? Or is the most important thing the spiritual man? Do we want to speak blessings on the spiritual man or the carnal man, the natural man? Well, the point is, it's the second man, the spiritual man, that's entitled to these blessings. It is the creation of the Son of God out of heaven that is entitled to these blessings, not the carnal man. If you give the carnal man all he wants, you're just feeding him and making him stronger. Paul said he buffeted his body, brought it under submission, lest he, after he preached to others, would himself be a castaway and rejected. The Greek word there is adokamos, reprobate. So basically, we need to be careful of the things that we desire for our children. Do we desire them because we are competing with the world and we want to see them successful in the world? Folks, that's not the people that God chooses. The spiritual man is the most important. That's the one that we need to be blessed. And of course, what Isaac wanted to do was bless the old man. He wanted to bless the carnal man, the man of the world. But God says, no, the one you're going to bless is Jacob. 
And God gave Jacob the new name Israel. He's going to rule as God. So he gave him that name. He was the one that God ordained to be blessed and even used this uh, trickery here and this foolishness to do it. How many of you know that God is sovereign? Now, he doesn't necessarily approve of man's methods, but he gonna, he'll use them. And he doesn't use them as a vessel of honor. He uses them more likely as a vessel of dishonor. Jacob and Rebekah deception was wrong, but God used it for his glory. And it's the same way today. God's interested in the blessing of the spiritual man. The man who is growing on the inside of you. The born again man. The born of heaven man. The man who is born out of heaven. That's the word of God living in them. Now let's read on here. We see here just as Jacob was leaving. Here comes Esau. And listen to how important this blessing is. And listen to the cry here. And think about it. It's just as important to your children, to your parents, and to your family. Genesis 27 31. And he also made savory food, brought it unto his father. And he said unto his father, Let my father arise and eat of his son's venison, that thy soul may bless me. And Isaac his father said unto them, Who art thou? And he said, I am thy son, thy firstborn Esau. And Isaac trembled very exceedingly. Well, as you can see, this wasn't just a ceremony to them, was it? He said he trembled exceedingly. Isaac was afraid of what he thinks he had done here. He hadn't missed God, but he was afraid because he knew that he had done something wrong here. And said, who then is he that hath taken venison and brought it me? And I have eaten of all before thou camest and have blessed him. Yea, and he shall be blessed. It wasn't like something that could be taken back. It doesn't seem like, was it? So who was it that snuck in there and took your blessing? He was very worried because he knew he wasn't going to be able to change it. Verse 34, when Esau heard the words of his father, he cried with an exceeding great and bitter cry. How valuable this blessing was. And yet everything that happened to them is for our admonition upon whom the end of the ages have come. These things are types and shadows of us. And how is this fulfilled in our life? In the same way we are able We are capable as believers. We have the authority to bless those who have not yet been blessed. We have the authority to use our words, believe the gospel, speak faith into people who have not yet known the Lord and bring them into the kingdom and make them inheritors of the blessings that God has given to us, which is exactly what is seen here. He cried with an exceeding great and bitter cry and said unto his father, Bless me, even me also, O my father. 35, and he said, Thy brother came with guile and hath taken away thy blessing. Well, it's true today, folks. The one that is truly going to be blessed is the second born. The man who is born from above, the spiritual man. He's going to be blessed and all the blessing that would have been repaired heaped upon the carnal man. 
they plundered the Egyptians when they went out into the wilderness. What the Egyptians considered theirs invaluable was all for the benefit of the spiritual man. They gave it to the spiritual man who went out into the wilderness. Y'all remember what Joshua and Caleb said about the giants in the land, don't you? They said, they are just bread for us, just bread. And what do you think about what they meant by that? Well, they were what God was going to use to make the spiritual man grow. The carnal man is necessary, but he, his need doesn't last forever. We will grow on them as the outer man is decayed. The inner man is being renewed day by day, it says. Genesis 27 and 36, it says, And he said, Is not he rightly named Jacob? For he has supplanted me these two times. Well, as you know, the spiritual man is the supplanter because he's taken the place of the carnal man. And you know the Canaanites were conquered by the Israelites, the carnal man. This man that we live in here, he's dying daily and the spiritual man is taking over the house. He's ruling in his house, raising his crop. He's taken over. He's the supplanter. The blessing is upon the supplanter. God has blessed our spiritual man to conquer and take over this house. If you believe it and if you speak it and if you agree with it, praise God. Are you willing to bless the spiritual man? Are the rivers of living water flowing forth over the tongue of the tree of life to give healing to the nations? He has supplanted me these two times. He took away my birthright. Actually, he sold his birthright. And behold, now he hath taken away my blessing. And he said, Hast thou not reserved a blessing for me? In other words, he was desperate to receive the blessings of the Father. You know, in some cases, I feel like our children sometimes are desperate to receive the blessings from us. Their spiritual man is hungry and thirsting for something and sometimes not receiving that from the parents. And we need to remember what we pray and speak what we pray and lay hands and pray and believe over them As Jesus taught us. God's going to hear your prayers. And he'll accept the authority that you have over your children. Genesis 27, 37 says, And Isaac answered and said unto Esau, Behold, I have made him thy Lord, and all his brethren have I given to him for servants. And with grain and new wine have I sustained him. And what then shall I do for thee, my son? In other words, what Jacob inherited from Isaac was everything. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob passed on the lineage of the Father of God himself to their chosen seed. And it's the same today. We've inherited everything from our Father. All these blessings. Seeing that God has given us everything pertaining to life and godliness. We need to see with their spiritual eyes that God has given us all this great inheritance. And we have the authority to pass it on. That's what he was doing. He was passing it on. And he passed it on to the spiritual man. It wasn't the man that Isaac loved the most. That was a problem. That was his problem. But it was the one that God loved the most.
Romans 9 and 13 says, Even as it is written, Jacob I love, but Esau I hate it. If you don't agree with God hating, you don't agree with the word of God. God hates the carnal man. He's the enemy of God, the Bible says. God's not going to accept him into the kingdom because he has to lose his life. You have to sacrifice his life. And you as a priest of God have to sacrifice his life in order that the spiritual man might live. And remember, the inner man is only taking over what the outer man is given up because they both occupy the same territory there. Somebody's got to lose. And when they went into the promised land, the old man had to lose that promised land in order for the spiritual man to take it. Folks, you can't live on the fence. You can't live a lukewarm life. You have to sacrifice the continual burnt offering of the old beastly flesh on the altar of God's trials. Says, I sustained him, and what then shall I do for thee, my son? Verse 38, And Esau said unto his father, Hast thou but one blessing, my father? Bless me, even me also, my father. In desperation, this was valuable. And they knew it was valuable. But the Christians today don't know that. Today we have the authority to bless and we have the authority to curse too. It says what you bind on earth is bound in heaven and what you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. God has given authority into your hand and you can use that authority wrongly. So we have to be careful because in Proverbs eighteen twenty one again says death and life are in the power of the tongue and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. We have to be careful. And Esau lifted up his voice and wept. And Isaac his father answered and said unto him, Behold, of the fatness of the earth shall be thy dwelling, and of the dew of heaven from above. Now some versions say, Behold, away from the fatness of the earth shall be thy dwelling, and away from the dew of heaven from above. And by thy sword thou shalt live, and thou shalt serve thy brother. It's ordained that the carnal man serve the spiritual man. In our life, that's what has to happen. If not, we're going to be rejected from the kingdom of God. And if you walk after the flesh, you must die, it says. But if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you shall live. It's ordained that the old man serve the spiritual man. If he doesn't, you're walking after the flesh. In other words, that spiritual man is made to serve the carnal man. That man will die according to the word of God. Believe it or not, he'll be twice dead and plucked up by the roots, just like Jude says. And by thy sword shalt thou live, and thou shalt serve thy brother, and it shall come to pass when thou shalt break loose, that thou shalt shake his yoke from off thy neck. And Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing wherewith his father blessed him. And Esau said in his heart, The days of mourning for my father are at hand. Then will I slay my brother Jacob. And as you know, it's always been that way. The carnal man has persecuted, according to Paul in Galatians, the spiritual man. Cain killed Abel. But God replaced Abel with Seth because Seth represents the born-again man. 
when Cain killed Abel, why did God replace Abel instead of just giving him another son? When we were raised up from our youth, we began to walk contrary to our spirit, and we put our spirit to death. The old man put to death the spiritual man. Then when we are born again, God gives us a new spirit. And that new spirit is to replace the spirit that we put to death. What God is doing in Seth is the son of God. That's why Seth had to replace Abel. Praise be to God. God's got awesome truths hidden in his word, folks. And that's just for us to dig around in those nuggets and find them and enjoy them. And there's always an exhortation for our life to know and to understand what God wants done. So now we see that we need to bless the spiritual man in our children and in our wives and in our lost loved ones around us. And we need to let those rivers of living waters flow out of our mouth. Confess it. Jesus said, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. So we have authority to also send forth the words of spirit and life into the hearts of our children. Don't be discouraged what you see. Don't be moved by what you see in your natural. But don't be double-minded. Hold fast to the confession of your hope that it waver not. Because he is faithful, that promise. So we just need to speak it and believe it. And when these blessings were spoken, if you remember, they didn't come to pass immediately. For Noah or for Isaac, they didn't come to pass immediately, but eventually they did. And that's the way it is with us. We have to hold fast to our confession. And there's a lot of parents out there that are probably feeling guilty that their children after they raised him the best they could, or in some cases they didn't know Christ, so they couldn't raise him the best they could, are basically gone astray and not seemingly interested in Christianity. But I want you to cheer up, folks, because God's got his own prodigal son, doesn't he? And that doesn't bring any guilt upon him, does it? He's a good father. He knows what he's doing. Even in the part about the children going astray, the Lord knows what he's doing. So you just need to continue to put your prayers before God and to hold fast the confession of your hope that it waver not because he is faithful, that promise. Continue to not walk by sight and don't pay attention to what they're doing now. Just believe you have received as Jesus taught us in Mark eleven twenty four. Therefore, I say unto you all things whatsoever you pray and ask for, believe that you received them and you shall have them. Hold fast to your confession because it's not according to your works, it's according to God's works. He gave you grace, he'll give them grace. And we're coming to a time when their deliverance is coming. Their salvation is coming in these days. And just as God gave you grace, he's going to give them grace. Well, God bless you. I'm out of time. We'll see you next time, God willing. For information, materials, and to contribute, Go to unleavenedbreadministries.org. Contributions only may be addressed to David Eels, Post Office Box 231616, Montgomery, Alabama 36123.